So this scripture lesson is from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not come yet. His mother said to the the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to him, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that that had become wine and did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this. Then his, sorry, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there for a few days. The word of God for the people of God. So I have this memory from a few years ago. Uh, my son was in the first grade when, when this story takes place. It was, it was an ex- he, he knows I'm telling this story. He's, he gave me permission to share it with you this morning. Uh, he was in the first grade. It was an exciting time for, for Daniel, my son, and it was an exciting time for, for us, his parents. In the first grade, uh, Daniel was finally developing some personality and, and his, own, his own interests and abilities. Uh, it seemed like, like he hit the first grade and he decided that year that he was going to sign up for everything that was offered to him and he was going to try everything everything that he could possibly find the time for and, and so uh, Daniel decided he wanted to try some art and so he signed up for a pottery class at the Flint Institute of Arts and so every week we would drive him up to Flint and he would spend the evening making snakes and, and worms and snake and worm related objects out of out of clay uh, and he decided that he wanted to do something active and athletic, so uh, he signed up for swim lessons, and a couple nights a week we would take him to the pool, and he would get chlorinated and waterlogged for a couple hours, and, and he decided that he wanted to try music, so he joined a, a kid's bell choir, and, and one night a week he would get together with some other kids and learn how to play songs on, on the chimes, uh, and then of course there were, were church activities. It seemed like every night that he wasn't at, at arts or, or sports or music, he was at the church doing some activity or ministry or other Uh, And he was having a blast. He was really enjoying the first grade and and developing all of these skills and abilities. Uh, He really looked forward to all of these things that he had signed up for uh, until this one day. I remember this one day, uh, it was time to, to head out the door to go to art, sports, music, church, something. I don't remember what, what the event was. And so I went to the front door and I, I, I hollered, Daniel, it's time to go. Uh, and usually when I did that, there, there would be a sort of a stampede that would happen and he would come uh, tromping through the house and throw on a coat and then we would be out the door and we would be on our way. But, but on this particular day, I stood at the door and I hollered, Daniel, it's, it's time to go. And, and there was 
was no stampede. There was no sound. There was no Daniel. Uh, and so I did the dad thing, right? And I, I hollered louder. I said, Daniel, right, with my dad voice. I said, Daniel, it's time to go. But again, there was no movement in the house, no sign of, of my son. And so I sighed, and then I started stomping around the house trying to find where my son had got off to. I looked in all the usual places. I checked in in front of the television. No Daniel there. I looked in, in the kitchen thinking maybe he had gone to, to get a snack. No, no Daniel there. I went to his bedroom, and I looked in his bedroom. I looked on top of his bed. I looked under his bed. No, no Daniel there. I was starting to become mystified as to what had happened to my son. And then just as I was about to leave the bedroom, I heard a, a sound, a sort of a, a muffled sort of a sniffle sound. It came from the closet. And so I opened the closet and I looked down and there in the closet, curled up in a corner of the closet, surrounded by stuffed animals and dirty clothes, was my son. I got down low so I could talk to him and I said, Daniel, I said, what are you doing? It's, it's time to go. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, do I have to? I said, what do you mean do I have to? I said, you love art, sports, music, church, whatever the thing was that, that night. You love going to, to art, sports, music, church stuff. And, and he looked at me and he said, Dad, he said, I do. I really, I do like art, sports, music, church. But, but he said, Dad, every night I've got art, sports, music, church, he said. And what I want to know is, when do we get to play, Dad? When, when do we get to play, can you relate? You ever get the feeling that way? You ever get the feeling overwhelmed by all of the things that are already on your to-do list before you even get out of bed? Do you ever feel like life is just sort of turned into one long slog of going from obligation to obligation to the point where even the stuff that's supposed to be fun isn't fun anymore? Do you ever get the feeling that way, particularly this time of year? The other day we had a staff meeting. We got all the staff of, of the church together and we started going over the church calendar for the next few weeks. We do this at every staff meeting just to make sure everybody knows exactly what is going on. At the beginning of every staff meeting we walk through the calendar and all the events and gatherings and activities and, and services and usually that takes about 15 minutes but of course now we're heading into the season of Advent and we're then going into Christmas and after that comes January and, and so our calendar is filled with all sorts of extra special events and gatherings and festivities and services. And so at our staff meeting this week, we talked about the calendar for a good hour. We walked through our calendar for a solid hour. And at the end of that hour, we were just about ready to turn the page to January. And it was, it was right about that point that one member of our church staff let out a deep, long sigh. I'm not going to tell you which member of the church staff it was, because I would never do that to Alan. So a, a, member of, a member of the church staff who, who shall remain nameless let out a deep, long sigh and then, and then said, man, sometimes I just wish that we could all fast forward right to January 17th. And, and, and isn't that just a grown-up way of saying, when do we get to play, God? When, when do we get to play? Do you ever feel like curling up in a ball and shouting out into the universe, when do we get to play, God? When do we get to play? If you've been feeling that way, if you particularly feel that way this time of year, maybe it will make you feel better to know that Jesus also felt that way from time to time. 
Now, one of the things that we learn about Jesus when we read the stories about Jesus that are recorded in the Gospels is that Jesus loved to play. We don't think about Jesus this way. We think of Jesus as this very serious sort of person who spent every waking hour going about the work that, that God had given him. We think of Jesus as a very busy and productive sort of a person, but, but one of the things that we can miss when we read the Gospels, if we look closely, is that Jesus actually was so somebody who loved to stop work every so often and gather with his friends and just enjoy being in their company. Jesus loved to play and he especially he especially loved going to parties. Now, the Gospels are filled with stories about Jesus going to this wedding banquet or that dinner party. Jesus got lots of invitations to lots of gatherings and parties and it seems like Jesus hardly ever said no to one of those invitations. And when Jesus would, would teach and when he would preach, sometimes he would give people advice about how to throw a good party. And sometimes Jesus would, would tell people how to be a good guest when they went to somebody else's party. And when Jesus was teaching and preaching, sometimes he would, would say the kingdom of God is, is like a party. The kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet. The kingdom of God is like a, a dinner gathering. Jesus said heaven, what we all have to look forward to, God's plan for the world and all of creation looks like, looks like a party. A group of people gathered around a table that is loaded with food and cups that run over. Jesus loved going to parties. His enemies, his opponents picked up on this. And one day the enemies of Jesus came to his disciples and they said, why is your teacher always going to parties? Why is he always eating and drinking? Why doesn't he fast like the other rabbis do? Why doesn't he take his work more seriously? Jesus loved, he loved a good party. Even the very first miracle of Jesus, the, the miracle that started his ministry, the miracle that brought him to attention, put him on people's radar for the very first time, even his first miracle took place at a party. The story goes like this. And Jesus went to a, a wedding one day. And after the wedding, Jesus stuck around for the wedding reception. And back in those days, people took wedding receptions very seriously. After there was a wedding back in the time of Jesus, there would be a party that would go on for days and days, even sometimes as, as long as a week. People would gather together and they would eat and they would laugh and they would dance. And so Jesus, after the wedding, he and his friends, they, they stayed for this party that went on day after day after day. And, and after the party had been going on for maybe, four or, or five or six days, there came this moment. You know, we don't know what Jesus was doing in, in this moment. I like to picture Jesus dancing. I like to think that Jesus was, was out on the dance floor and he was dancing to Uptown Funk or YMCA or whatever the, the first century wedding reception equivalent song was. I like to picture Jesus out on, on the dance floor having a good time with his friends when suddenly he feels a tap on his shoulder. And so Jesus turns around and he sees his mother, Mary, standing there. And, and Mary leans in close so that Jesus can hear. And she says, Jesus, a, a disaster is about to take place. She tells him that the party is about to run out of wine. Now, this is such a mysterious moment. There are so many unanswered questions, so many things that we don't understand about this moment. For example, we don't know why Mary was the first person to realize, the first person to know that, that the party was about to run out of wine. You know, some people think that maybe this was a family wedding that they were at. Maybe Mary was, was part of the crew of people who planned the wedding reception. 
And we don't know exactly what it is that Mary is asking Jesus to do in this moment, why she thinks that Jesus will be able to help. We don't know if if Mary is asking Jesus to leave the party and make a beer run. Is Mary asking Jesus to get off the dance floor and and go to the store and come back with a trunk full of Pabst Blue Ribbon? Or or does Mary Mary have something else in mind for Jesus? Does Mary have some sort of an inkling that Jesus will be able in this moment to, to work a miracle? Now, up until this point in his life, as far as we know, nobody had ever seen Jesus actually work a miracle. But Mary knew, she knew from the moment that Jesus was born, even before Jesus was born, that there was something special about Jesus, that God had a special plan for Jesus' life. And so maybe Mary had had a suspicion that Jesus would be able to do something in this moment that, that nobody else could do. And the most mysterious thing of all is the way that Jesus responds to this request. Jesus makes it clear that he doesn't want to get involved. Jesus is reluctant to do this miracle. Jesus looks at his mother and, and he says, Woman, he says, so what if they run out of wine? He says, why is that my problem and, and why is it yours? Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. What does Jesus mean when he says that, my hour has not yet come? Does Jesus mean, listen, mom, I took this week off of work and I'm at a party with my friends and I'm not on the clock today, so I'm not doing miracles or or making liquor runs for anybody? Or does does Jesus mean something deeper than that? Does Jesus understand that once he works this miracle, once he performs this first sign, once people see who he truly is and what God sent him to do, there will be no turning back. From that moment on, he will be walking a journey that can only ever lead in his death on the cross. Why is Jesus so reluctant to get involved? There are so many unanswered questions, so many things we don't know about this moment, about this story. What we do know And what we do understand is this. For whatever reason, Jesus finally decides that he is going to help out. So nearby there are some big stone water jars. And Jesus says to the wait staff, he says, fill those jars with with water. And so the waiters and the waitresses fill the jars. And then Jesus says, now dip out some of that water and, and put it in a cup. And so they dip out some of that water and they put it in a cup. And Jesus says, now take it over to the bartender. And so the waiters and the waitresses, they carry this this cup of, of water to the bartender. And the bartender, not knowing what it is, takes a, a sip. And then he goes, he goes to the bridegroom and he leans in and he gets off one of the best punchlines in any any of the miracles of Jesus. The, the bartender leans into the bridegroom and he says, what have you done? He says, everybody knows that you serve the good wine on the first day of the party and then on the fourth day or the fifth day when everybody is good and drunk and nobody can taste anything anyway, that's when, that's when you get out the slop. That's when you get out the cheap wine. But you, the bartender says, you, you have waited till now to serve the very best wine. You have saved the best wine for last. It's a good punchline. It's a great story. It's a good miracle. And it's worth remembering that as things get busy in these next few weeks, as our calendars fill up with, with dates and obligations and things that we feel like we have to do even though we don't want to do them, as our calendars get busy these next few weeks, it is absolutely worth remembering that when the moment came for Jesus to perform his very first miracle, 
When the time came for Jesus to reveal to the people close to him and, and all of the world who he was and what God had sent him to do, when the time came for Jesus to perform his very first miracle, he didn't choose to walk on water. He didn't choose to calm a storm. He didn't hang out a shingle and start healing lepers. When the time came for Jesus to work his very first miracle, what did he choose to do? He chose to turn some water into wine. So a party that had already been going for five or six days could keep on going just a little bit longer. In his very first miracle, Jesus announces to all the world, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. In his very first miracle, Jesus says to all of us, don't, don't forget, don't forget to stop every once in a while. Don't forget to enjoy each other every once in a while. Don't forget to party every once in a while. In his very first miracle, Jesus says to all of us in this busy season, don't forget to stop and play. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for Jesus who, in the way in which he lived, gave us permission to stop, to rest, to breathe deeply, to recover, to enjoy each other's company, to gather at the table, to share a cup, to enjoy life, to play. God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to follow where Jesus has led in these next few busy weeks. All these things we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. <coughs>